so very early this morning, Cyberpunk Jordan uh, basically uploaded a new video, the first in a while because he's been taking care of some things behind the scenes. Uh, but the new video he talked about, or he wanted to focus on, was on what he considered the weird and wacky world of Mobius 30 years later. And he touched upon briefly, although he didn't really want to go too far into detail, of what the predecessor was to Mobius 30 years later, that being Mobius 25 years later. And honestly, I can understand why he didn't want to do that. In fact, he even explained himself that he just felt like it wasn't really necessary to touch upon, um, if you kind of understand where he's coming from. But for anybody that's, you know, into curiosity as to what Mobius 25 years later uh, was, just in case maybe you got into the comics and the only Mobius years later you know of is 30 years later, uh, with a few, you know, uh, explanations within the story of what came before, I'll give it to you like this. And I know I've talked about it before, but I'll give it to you like this, kind of in an updated way. You see, back when Ken Penders was basically the head writer of the book, he decided to come up with a story that, at first, when you kind of hear what he has to say, and, you know, and, and the way he brings it up when you ask him about it, you know, whether it's in an NFU or a Q&A or whatever, or a meetup at a, a convention, Ken Penders will usually kind of tell you, or at least give off the vibes, that the Mobius years later, the 25 years later, that he had created was meant to be the actual future. Now, CJ, Cyberpunk Jordan, um, actually talked about this a little bit. He actually alluded to the fact that this may or may not be the actual future. And this, of course, alluding to 30 years later. And he brings this up because one of Ken's earlier stories that kind of dealt with the possible future was the closing moments of the first, one of the first, if not the first, Sonic 48-page special, In Your Face, where it depicted the Freedom Fighters in a now Robotnik-free world. You know, basically regaining the kingdom, you know, the father free from the zone of silence, the void, if you will, stuff like that. Sally and Sonic married, you get the idea. So, obviously, seeing that there was some interest, because believe it or not, there was. There was a lot of fan interest in wondering, okay, what was this about? Can we see more of it, possibly? Ken Penders decided to take it upon himself to create Mobius 25 years later. But the other reason he also did it is because he wanted to use it as a backdrop, kind of like a, you know, in-story pilot for a new series. That new series, of course, is what he's currently working on to this day, the Lawless Duke Chronicles. And, you know, some may argue that, you know, that's a a good move by anybody to try to introduce a new concept for a series within the confinements within the house of an established series and see how the new characters, the new environment, the new story get over. You know, some would say that's a good idea to go with. 
Others, not too, not too well. Well, not too sure, I should say. Others may feel like, you know, it, you know, you shouldn't be using somebody else's established uh, property or series or franchise to try to get over something new when they're already truly long invested and so deeply invested into something that's already there that you're using to create, you know, said pilot or said storyline. So however you felt about it, you know, that's one of the main intentions of Mobius 25 years later. But like I mentioned earlier, Ken would also be, again, the way he would give it off in various vibes when you would talk to him through various means, he would give off the indication that this was supposed to be the legit future. Yeah, this was supposed to be the legit future. Now, what's interesting is the timing of Mobius years later. You see, Mobius 25 years later was, you know, originally written not just by Ken Penders, but was originally published as well within the issues after the infamous slap. That's right. That infamous slap moment, well, if you took... Ken's word at that time, and even somewhat today, depending on how he still views it, you know, that slap, basically within a few issues, became non-existent, became non-important, because if you took Ken's word at face value at that time, and even to this day, like I said, you know, somewhat, you know, Sonic and Sally basically... In the legit future of the true prime continuity, got married and had kids. So that slap became inconfidential, or whatever you want to call it, or whatever the word is that we use. It basically became, you know, a non-issue later on. And I think that's what really was a little bit more interesting with Mobius years later, you know, especially 25 years later. It wasn't the fact that the publishing timeline for it, you know, kind of coincided with Sally and Sonic breaking up, you know, in the current timeline of the Prime Universe, but it also showed in this timeline uh, Sonic and Sally married and having teenage kids um, themselves, along, along with Knuckles and Julie Sue. Now, what was interesting is everybody thought, you know, going and speaking about Knuckles and Julie Sue, everybody thought they they were married, right? They were married, but I believe it's in Mobius years, in this first version of Mobius 25 years later, or the second one, that it's confirmed that they are not truly married, but the soulmates. Like, it's some kind of ancient echidna-like tradition to where marriage is you know, isn't really a necessity if you are soulmates, if you are basically, you know, chosen to be together by the soul stone or whatever it's called, which Knuckles and Julie Sue apparently were. But they did have a kid, which would basically say, yeah, they're married. It's just they have their own unique way of getting around that, you know, from what Kendra's Oh, not Kendra, but what Penders, I should say, put into the um, lore of Knuckles when he was working on that. So, 
So yeah, you know, the Knuckles and Julie Sue, you know, had a kid, and Lawless Sue, of course, the one that, you know, was going to be Ken Pender's main focus and priority when it came to these stories. But the other decisions that were made as well kind of threw fans for a loop. Even Cyberpunk uh, Jordan, Cyberpunk Jordan brought this up in his review. Or not his review, but his overview, I should say, his video that he put up real early this morning. And that is the fact that one of the strangest decisions uh, made that makes the Mobius Years Later story arc so unique and out there and abstract is the fact that you had Miles Prower tales marry Mina Mongoose, or Mina Mongoose, uh, however you pronounce her name. And thus, they ended up having kids in Sky Prower, which is basically a younger version of Tails, and Melody Prower, which is basically a younger version of Mina. And this is what really set a lot of folks off a little bit. Like, wait a minute, how did this happen, right? And I did a video not that long ago where I talked about, you know, the possible reasons this happened. Like, you know... Why it happened under you know a, you know a certain way with Ken Penders and you know basically I did a, basically my video was diving into the continuity possibilities of how this occurred like under the penmanship of both writers how it would be different like with Ian Flynn you know Ash would sacrifice himself and die but ask Mina to promise him she'll find somebody to take care of her da 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 and then under Ken Penders penmanship. I basically said that Ash would be nothing more than a traitor that basically would be revealed to be working for Eggman Robotnik and Tails would be the one to basically call him out and that would lead to him and Mina eventually down the line getting together. You know, I, you know, I basically talked about how different things might be, again, depending on who would have wrote certain scenarios had they still had the pen in their hand. You know, for the Archie book. I'll link the video at the end here so you guys can check it out yourself. But the point is, getting back to Tales and Mina, it really threw a lot of folks for a loop. Like, they could not believe, you know, they could not believe that Tales had gotten together with the mongoose that had a thing for his best friend. You know, his big bro, Sonic. You know, he could, you know, nobody could believe it. Nobody could believe it. But... The one thing that was really, a, I, I would assume, a bit of a negative as well, even though the, the concept the concept was very popular with a lot of fans, including myself. The concept was very popular with a lot of fans, including myself. The, the negativity towards it was how it was paced and how it was more of a, you know, a story of talking and discussions and not that much action, at least towards the end. You know, it's a story where Sonic is, even though he's married now and probably in his 40s, if not early 50s, and same with Sally, you know, as well, but yet here's Sonic still wondering whether or not being a king is, you know, the best you know, direction for him, or if he's well-suited to be king, because he's always been known to be such a free spirit, and here you have Sally trying to convince him, hey, you've done your job, you did what you had to do, you know, you know, take this time to enjoy yourself, enjoy your family. She's trying to convince him that, look, I understand where you're coming from, 
But this is all about you. Well, not about you, but this is all about taking that next step, about still adjusting to where to the position that you're in. Which is basically true. You know, she's trying to, you know, be his, you know, his counselor by trying to get him to understand. Look, I know this is not what this is not how you envision being a king would be, but it's a learning process, even as you get older and stuff. And because obviously, it's still a learning process for her too. Still a learning process for her too. Anyway, though, again, nothing really picks up towards the end. The only ongoing plot that we know of is the world basically is falling apart. Basically, it's heading towards a kryptonite, well, not kryptonite, but a krypton, if you like, if, if, if I want to put it plainly, a krypton-like fate. You know, that's what it's leaning towards unless something is done. And the assumption is because of the fact that Sonic had defeated Robotnik Eggman in the past and it caused some kind of, you know, time lapse. So some kind of, you know, deconstruction of time itself. But it wasn't just Sonic and Eggman. It was also Knuckles. You know, Knuckles also got involved and basically, you know, he set off the final blow that not only help Sonic win the win the day and win the war against Eggman, but also wiped Eggman, Robotnik, you know, out of existence. But again, caused a chemical uh, unbalancing for, you know, time and space itself when it came to the planet, which is basically, you know, causing it to be on the verge of imploding, basically just wiping itself out of existence. So what they have to do, what they have to do is find a way to probably send Sonic or somebody back in time to uh, fix this. Basically send them back in time to the point where this, ha- where this occurrence is going to happen, happen, I should say, and prevent it from happening so that, you know, the future they come back to will still be the same, but not on the verge of basically destruction. Anyway... You know, long story short, the uh, story ends on a cliffhanger with King Sonic basically volunteering himself to be part of this, disappearing, basically being wiped out of existence in this time vortex, and you know, thus causing a lot of changes as it happens. And because of that, all of a sudden you have Knuckles, you know, as he is, along with Rotor, yes, Rotor's in the future and even Knuckles, Donald, Lala, Sue, all being wiped out of existence to readjust with the new timeline. So, you know, even though the first installment of the Mobius Years Later series was not as, you know, like, action-packed exciting, it still was intriguing enough for a lot of folks to want to see more. You know, they wanted to see more of it uh, down the line. And they got their chance. They got their chance, but it would take several years later, several years later, when Ian Flynn would come on board. Ian Flynn came on board, and I believe, I believe it may have been with the main book, I got to look again, I think it was with the main book, that he revisited this concept as sort of, you know, finally giving it some finality, you know, finally giving it some finality. And he did a decent job. He did a decent job. Basically, again, going back to what Cyberpunk Jordan talked about in his video, 
um, even if you weren't into 25 years later or weren't or, were, or basically weren't interested in, you know, tracking down the issues and everything, you know, related to that part of the years later story, you got to recap, you know, you got to recap basically um, at the beginning of 30 years later. Long story short, Sonic did survive what happened. He did survive what happened, but he ended up kind of like a homeless bum on the street. You know, with not even a chili dog to his name, if you will. But he does remember everything that's happened. But what's interesting is you have key players as well. Lala Sue, of course, Knuckles' daughter, is a key player. And she is more in tune. The change that happens with her is she's more in tune with the chaos powers. And Knuckles uh, basically is more willing than he was in the original to let her be the next guardian. It took him to the end in the original Campendus version of Mobius 25 years later for him to let Lalasu take on that eventual man- mantle of guardian of the Angel Island and the Chaos Emerald. But here in the follow-up, now, you know, with the timeline altered and changed, you know, Knuckles is more willing. He's more accepting if you will, of her, you know, being the next guardian and everything, and even allowing her to practice. However, however, with some positive changes, there are negatives. One of the negative changes is, unfortunately, Sally did have to marry, but she didn't marry someone like Sonic, no. She married Shadow, and in this version, for some odd reason, Shadow became a despot a despotted uh, tyrant, if you will, who wanted to use this opportunity to um, have all of Mobius, you know, not just ruled by an iron fist, but have all of Mobius pay respects to his f- beloved Maria, you know, the one from Sonic Adventure 2 that was Knuckles, not, 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 not Knuckles, but the Shadow's friend, excuse me. It's early, it's about 8.32, i got to get ready in a little while, but, you know, so I do apologize if I stumble on my words. But anyway, he became, Shadow here, for some odd reason, became a despotted, tyrannic-like king that ruled with an iron fist and caused all of Mobius to bow down to, uh, basically the uh, fallen Maria, his friend from Sonic Adventure 2, who was shot and killed, and basically bowed down and worshipped her like she was some kind of goddess. Anyway, make a long story short, like I say, Lala Sue plays a role in this because she remembers the previous timeline, and so does Tails. That's right, Tails remembers as well. Tails remembers as well. In fact, Tails plays a role looking for Sonic and also looking for Lala Sue. And basically, you know, she does, like I say, remember, you know, memories from another timeline, friends and faces that are now lost or changed. And Tails remembers as well. In fact, Tails explains in this version 
that he had created a device that protected him and his family from this possibility. Like basically what Taylor's alluded to here is he knew something was going to happen. So to protect his family, he created a device that would shield them from any kind of possible time change uh, in the timeline. In other words, you know, uh, basically protect them from being wiped out of existence. So to get to the point, they do to get to the point. They reunite with Sonic. They go to confront King Shadow. Knuckles reveals that even though he's a top lieutenant for Shadow, he's actually on the side of Lawless Sue and Tails and everything because even he remembers what happened in the previous timeline. And even he basically doesn't like how you know Shadow's ruling things. But what's interesting is when they go to confront Shadow and basically acknowledge you know, the history that they know of, Shadow also acknowledges it as well. He acknowledges it as well. Sally acknowledges it. So basically, in this sequel, this first uh, installment of Mobius Years Later under Ian Flynn's penmanship, you have Tails, you have Shadow, you have Knuckles, you know, you have Lala Sue, you have Sonic, of course, Sally, and Linda, that's right, Linda, uh, the former uh, commissioner of the Dark Egg Legion, or Dark Legion at that time, uh, basically being acknowledgeable of the previous events of the previous timeline, the original timeline. So you have all of them pretty much, key, you know, you know, knowing and acknowledging that yeah, we knew about this other world, this other timeline, but hey, we like this one better, or yeah, we got to change this one to make it better. And that's basically what you have here. Now, of course, Sonic, you know, no match for Shadow because you know Shadow's immortal, basically can age. Sonic can, so Sonic basically is no match for him. Except in comes Lala Sue, who uses the powers of chaos control to basically freeze in time uh, Shadow and basically freeze him enough to where he's put into like a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for a chronogenic. A cryogenic like uh, tube or prison underneath the castle, so it's not a problem anymore. You know, so yeah, basically, you know, basically, you know, Lawless Sue's the one that defeats Shadow because, of course, she's younger and she's been practicing the powers of chaos, and being younger puts her on equal footing, if not a little bit more powerful than Shadow to an extent. Not much, but to an extent, very little extent. Now, of course, Sonic and Sally do reunite after that. It's almost like, you know, Sally's waited for this and everything and, you know, the rest is history. Thus, leading us into Mobius 30 years later, which Cyberpunk Jordan talked about in his video. And, yeah, it was, and, yeah, Mobius 30 years later also was a bit of a silver story arc because it, because basically it tied in with the whole uh, silver storyline in the comics that was adapted loosely from the games where he's, you know, he's looking for the traitor. He's looking for the person that, you know, betrayed, you know, the freedom fighters, um, you know, in the past that caused his future to go downhill. 
Now, one thing Cyberpunk Jordan did bring up, which I was kind of hoping he would, is the fact that Shadow does, not Shadow, but Silver, you know, you know does allude to the fact, or does kind of talk about the fact, fact that Sally, of Sally basically being a possible traitor, being the traitor in the past that caused the Freedom Fighters to fall apart, caused his, you know, his world to uh, go into disarray. But looking at Sally, he's like, wait a minute, that, that can't make sense, right? Because he's looking at Sally and thinking, how could she be the traitor, but yet she's ruling, you know, by the side of Sonic. It, you know, to him, it didn't make sense. To him, it didn't make sense. And that is where, basically, Ian Flynn was able to get away with something. A little bit of a loophole. You see, by adding Silver to the third and final installment of the Mobius Years Later uh, trilogy, if you want to call it that, you know, by adding Silver to the equation, he was able to use that as a loophole to say, yeah, this is not Mobius Prime of the future. This is light Mobius. This is an alternate Mobius that's identical to Mobius Prime, but takes place you know, 30 years in the future. In other words, light Mobius, an alternate Mobius, is about 90 to 95% identical to Mobius Prime, but, but it's its own, it's its own alternate world and dimension. In other words, it's a what if uh, uh, world of existence and everything. So, Right there, by having Silver added to the third story, Ian Flynn, very smartly, I'll give him that, very smartly, was able to use that as a loophole to make what Ken Pendis originally wanted to be the legit future of the prime continuity of the comic, an alternate reality, an alternate world, an alternate future that took place in a, you know, basically a different dimension, which was identical to the original. And, again, I thought that was a smart move. Now, in closing, I will admit I'm, you know, I'm someone that always kind of, kind of sided with the Pender's theory that this was, when it first happened, this was indeed the legit future. I was one of them that sided with that because, hey, I'd like to see the characters have a bit of a happy ending, right? Now, that's where basically Ken Pender's kind of got in trouble and why, again, uh, Ian Flynn was able to use the loophole uh, that was Silver the Hitchhawk in the third and final installment. You see... Basically, Ken Penders, as I mentioned earlier, was so determined to make this the legit future of the Prime Universe, it got him into some hot water. It got him into some hot water to where basically, uh, basically, you know, when Ian Flynn came on board, Ian Flynn came up with the idea, along with Archie and the Sega, the representatives of Sega, came up with the idea to say, no, this is not the legit future. It's one of millions, one of millions of possible futures, or one of a thousand possible futures for the Freedom Fighters. It's not the legit future, it's one of many, basically. So Ian Flynn used the second 
of the trilogy to kind of not only give the Freedom Fighters, give Sonic and Sally, Lola Sue, Knuckles, Julie Sue, all of them, you know, a happy ending, if you will, but he used the third installment to basically acknowledge that what we saw in the second installment, what we saw in the first installment, he used the third one with the inclusion of Silver being his loophole to basically say that, yeah, the whole Mobius years later thing you've been reading, for, reading about when it shows up, it's an actual alternate world. It's not the legit world. It's not Mobius Prime. It's Light Mobius. And the rest is history. <laughs> Basically, after that, the rest is history. Excuse me. Now, was Ken happy about this? Well, of course not. In fact, Ken Pender, from what I could tell, you know, sometimes cites this change, along with some other things, is to the reason why he doesn't really like Ian Flynn. Because Ian made these changes. And it basically altered and changed anything that he wanted to establish as legit continuity. Now, the one thing that I will give Ken Pendis is at least at the end of his initial run with Mobius years later, he did throw in uh, this little panel, you know, talking about, you know, the future and what, what if we uh, basically uh, what we just saw could possibly be it or not. He basically threw in this panel, excuse me there, to kind of, you know, make us wonder if what we saw was legit or not. But he has, from what I understand, you know, gone on record and said, yeah, that is a legit future. But my thought is him adding that little extra panel at the end of his initial run with it was, you know, in my opinion, maybe a mandate, maybe a mandate by Sega itself to say, hey, you know, put something in there that indicates this is a what-if scenario. It's not legit. But even though Ken Penders, as I've mentioned, has gone on record through his own message boards, through social media, to state that it is legit. It is the real deal. But he had to probably add in that little panel, in my opinion, you know, to basically, at the behest of Sega, to basically say, you know, it's a what, it's a possibility. In other words, the future is not really written. Although he has basically gone on record, from what I understand, saying that it is the legit future. I mean, even when the even when the stories were being published in the issues, he came out and said that. And I'm I'm not making that up either. He came out and said that. Which again, you bring Ian Flynn into the picture later on, and he basically and he basically once he gets to the third installment, the 30 years later portion of it, is able to use the loophole of silver to say, nope, not the real timeline, not the prime world, it's a different world identical to it, but in the future. Basically stating, like I mentioned, that everything we read from when Ken Pendis first started to that final page of 30 years later is an alternate reality. And like I said, I believe it was a smart move on his part to put Silver in there as that loophole to kind of ensure that. Because when you have Silver wondering if Sally's the traitor, and this, by the way, I think took place at the beginning stages of the Mecha Sally arc in the main book. Uh, when you have him questioning Sally being the traitor, and yet you go to the main book and you see exactly what's going on there, 
then yeah, it makes you wonder, okay, what's happening here, right? You know, what's going on? What's, what's the scoop with Mobius years later? Only to find out, only to find out that this, because of Silva's involvement at the end, is an alternate timeline. And again, and when you really want to think about it, when you really want to think about it, you go to the Silver Saga that took place, you know, several, you know, Sonic Universe issues later, the Silver Saga arc, which is basically loosely adapted and based around Ian Flynn's other M webcomic that he did as a fan, along with the help of other fans like Jay Foxfire and such, you know, basically that right there, if you want to extend it to that, you want to add that into the equation, kind of solidifies that, yeah, it is an alternate timeline. It is an alternate timeline. And that Silver basically was that linchpin to say, yeah, you know, Mobius years later, not the prime continuity, an alternate, you know, continuity, or something to that extent. But, yeah, overall, long story short, because I know this has gone a lot longer than it should have, uh, a long story short, Mobius years later from the beginning is indeed a complicated mess. You know, when it was, a, you know, when it was first started by Ken Penders and concluded later on by Ian Flynn. Yes, it is a complicated mess. I am not going to deny that. I don't think anybody will deny that whatsoever. However, one cannot deny how intriguing investing it was for us as fans to see this possible future. I mean, the fact that in the original run you had Lynn Duck kind of more along the lines of the more along the lines uh, on the side of good, somewhat, you know, by basically being more talkative to not just Julie Sue, her sister, but to Sally as well. Like, hey, they've been BFFs for a long time. So there were some positives some people w- would point out when it came to the first initial run. But, of course, Ian Flynn came in, changed it all around, and then, like I said, when we get to the third part of the trilogy, basically used a certain time-traveling hitchhog to say, yeah, this is an alternate universe, not the legit universe. So, overall, like I said, it was, at first, and throughout its run, kind of complicated, there's no doubt, but you can't admit, even from its humble beginnings, it wasn't intriguing. Because it basically gave us an idea and showed us the possibility that these characters could have a happy ending when it's all said and done. They could. But we never really saw that. We never really saw that um, because, of course, the comic would be canceled. Now you can only wonder about it through fan projects like Archie Sonic Online, fanfiction.net, places like that. But, you know, again... There's no doubt that if you were to do a whole video, which basically this feels like it is, audio or on camera, that there's no doubt it is a very convoluted, um, I guess you could say history, when it comes to, you know, when it comes to the story. Because again, it's started by a man that is basically not so beloved anymore by the Sonic community. And it's concluded by someone that came from the Sonic community that, yes, he has made some mistakes and made some decisions that everybody agrees upon, but understands how the fans feel. But understands how the fans feel and wanted to see some kind of conclusion, even if you're using a certain time-traveling hitchhog named Silver to 
basically in the trilogy acknowledged that the whole thing wasn't that you've been reading from the days of Campender's writing it to now was an alternate timeline, not the prime world like Ken originally alluded to. But that's really all I could say on it, guys. Uh, let me know what your thoughts are down below. Comment if you like. Live chat down the premiere. Like the video. Hit the subscribe and bell buttons for notifications as to new content coming to the channel and stuff. Also, support me at Venmo at brian walmart 2 Cash App at BWRoses98. Both you'll find in the description box. Also, ladies and gentlemen, um, also... Uh, support me at patreon.com slash bwroses for $1, $3 tier. I am considering a $3 Q&A tier, so, well, not $3, but $5, I should say, Q&A tier. So be on the lookout for that. Nothing confirmed or solidified yet, but I am working on it still. Also check me out at Vimo at bwroses for content you can't keep here on YouTube. Also check me out at BWRoses Discussions or your audio podcast locations, except for Pandora. We are up to 427 podcast as of this recording and this possibly could be the 428th one uh, when it's all said and done also check me out at divanart.com says bvw1979 and at my teespring store for merchandise you can't get anywhere else especially if you're a rally for sally fan you can find some stuff there but until next time guys i will talk to y'all later peace out god bless